0: So hello and welcome to the St Emlyn's podcast. I'm Simon Carley and today I'm going to be taking you through the exciting and interesting blogs that we put out in September 2019. I'm going to kick off with a blog post video and podcast from Dan Horner that we put together for the UK St Emlyn's live conference earlier this year. Really great event, had a lot of fun, and we're going to be doing it again in twenty twenty, so we haven't got dates for that yet, but they'll be out fairly soon. Now the whole resuscitationist thing, I think, is quite interesting. It's a word which I think came out of SMAC. I think it did. I think maybe even Scott Weingart invented it. And it's this idea that you have people whose sole interest, or maybe their major interest in life, is the resuscitation room and in that interface of emergency department, critical care, and pre hospital emergency medicine. Now there's a lot of people out there who like to call themselves resuscitationists, but we've never really thought or defined what it means in practice. So Dan's put together a nice presentation on this. Um, It explores what we mean by this. And I think my takeaway from this is, so rather than ask ourselves what it means to us personally, Dan's taken a different approach and asked ourselves, what is it that we want out of somebody who's skilled in resuscitation? And I, I quite like the way he's approached it. I mean, we want people who are sharp, who are at the top end of the game, who know what they're doing, are at the the cutting edge of the knowledge of resuscitation so that they can apply it to patients. I think that that's absolutely essential. You need people who understand resuscitation science, who have those skills and abilities to learn what's current, to evaluate the evidence, and then also to be able to communicate that to other people. But we also need people who are excellent at leading teams. It can't be just the individual. It's got to be about people who can run the department, who can run complex environments. And in particular, the environments which I, I keep going on about this, the idea that in emergency medicine, critical care, pre-hospital care, you're talking about events which require us to make decisions which are both time-critical and information-light. They're probabilistic, they're difficult, they're judgment, and somebody who can do that is... Is really good, and I think we've all worked with people who excel in those areas. And just, I mean, just stop for a moment and think about it. who do you think is good at resuscitation? Who would you put under that sort of moniker of resuscitationist, and what it is about them that does that? Dan also points out that good resuscitationist, and I think, certainly in the UK, is somebody who knows how to get the best out of other individuals. I think there is a little bit of arrogance in resuscitation a lot of the time that you think that you know I've got to be the best at everything. Well, actually, you're probably not. And I know I'm not. And being able to recognise that there are other people, other specialties, other professions who have better skills in some areas than yourselves and being able to use those and to facilitate them and to make them feel comfortable in the resource room so that they can do their best job that they're capable of doing, I think is incredibly important. So. The whole resuscitation thing, I think, is fascinating. It's it's controversial. It's a buzzword. It gets the mickey take out of it. All of those sort of things. And that's fine. But I thought Dan did a really nice presentation on this. And I think you should go and have a listen to it if, if resuscitation is your thing. Or maybe if you are the sort of person who wants to put resuscitationist at the end of their Twitter feed or their emails. I've got to admit, I have not. But if you want to, you know, knock yourself out, it's up to you. Then had a nice post around decompensated liver disease from our friend and St. Eminem's member Gareth Roberts. Liver disease is increasing in the UK. It's increasing around, well, quite a lot of the world really. And that's due to several factors, but certainly alcohol consumption and obesity are some of the biggest things which are affecting us here. What Gareth has done is gone through and looked at the guidelines for the management of the patients when they come through the ED so particularly the patients who've got things like um, hepatic encephalopathy when they're arriving when they've got ascites, when they've got significant biochemical abnormalities and things like that Seven things to think about in a care bundle that Gareth put together. So things about the investigation processes, use of alcohol, um, infections, which can be a really significant thing, particularly around spontaneous bacterial peritonitis in these patients. You know, have a fairly low threshold of investigation for the sick decompensated liver disease patient who turns up with ascites. Also managing the acute kidney injury and the concomitant hyponatremia, which is very, very common in this group of patients. And they're linked. And Gareth explains why that is and why things like uh, human albumin might actually be a benefit in this particular group. If you've dealt with them yourself, you'll know about the problems of GI bleeding and in particular varices related GI bleeding, which can be horrific. We've got some other blog posts which you can look at specifically around that in terms of scoring systems, in terms of management. And of course, Chris Gray did a great presentation about the management of GI bleeding for the St. Evelyn's Live conference, and you can follow that link back onto the website. And then also, as you said, the management of things like hepatic encephalopathy. I think this is quite interesting because I don't think I really address this that much in my training, but we are definitely seeing large numbers of patients coming through with the complications of liver disease for the reasons which are discussed before. So, again, have a look at that and get as much out of it as you can. It's a nice little piece pointing in the direction of some really great resources. Just take a little break in the podcast there, just tell you about a couple of exciting things that are going on. Firstly, the MSc, which we've been running at Manchester Met for several years now, is expanding. We're taking on new students, we're revising the course, and hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be allowing paramedics to get onto the course as well. So we'll have a truly multi-professional, multidisciplinary Masters in Emergency Medicine with lots of different modules that you can tailor to your requirements. So get on there. Have a look at that, and by all means, get in touch, and we'll tell you more. Second thing is, if you want to help support the podcast, then please do. You can follow the links to give us a little bit of support financially to keep things free and open access. That's also on the website. Look for details. Thank you. We then got a blog post on Coda. Now you've probably heard of Coda. It's kind of the follow-on from the Smack conferences, although slightly different. There's been a lot of conversation about it and largely around the people. People aren't quite sure what it's about. Well, I should know because I'm on the exec, but it's sometimes difficult to explain. What I would describe in very short terms is that CODA is an expansion of where SMAC was. So it's extending out beyond the traditional specialties which we really involved. So engaging things like oncology, engaging things like public health, engaging things like surgery in a much wider audience It's a collaboration with the New England Journal of Medicine and the George Institute, so bringing in the scientific world into SMAC, um, well, into CODA, should I say, And it's also about tackling themes with advocacy. And what I mean by that is that each year that CODA runs, we're going to take a big theme and try and encourage the clinicians and the incredible people which have been involved in the SMAC conferences to advocate for things which we know are going to be significant health problems now and in the future. And and year one is largely around climate change. And climate change with respect to medical care. So this isn't about climate change. It's not a climate change conference. I think that's really important to say. It's a medical conference, which has got all the great bits of SMAC in, slightly expanded in terms of um, specialist groups, but also allowing us to understand how climate is affecting healthcare and vice versa, in fact. Now, the climate change elements is only going to be about 25% of the programme. The other 75% is going to be the sort of things which you'll be familiar with through the FOMED world, through SMAC – the brilliant presentations, the clinical excellence, the understanding of us as people, the human factors, all of those things are still there and in fact arguably even better. And we're looking for doing this in Melbourne 2020 and all the details are on the website and you can have a look at that and I would genuinely hope that you may be able to attend if you can't attend and let's face it, attending a conference on the other side of the world has a significant carbon impact. If you can't attend, you can still get involved and we've got lots of plans about how that's going to happen. Some really innovative and exciting things that we're doing to try and reduce the carbon impact there. Then lastly, I'm going to finish for this month with the zero point survey from Cliff Reed. We've talked about this a lot and I make no apology for talking about it again. I've been talking about it since Cliff got to A group of us together to write the paper. And the simple concept, if you don't remember it, is that the primary survey starts when you meet the patient. The zero point survey is all those things that you do before you meet the patient. So it's the preparation phase, the understanding, the sharing the mental model, the sorting yourself out, the optimization of the environment. All of those things are essential components to a really good high quality resource. And what really makes me happy actually is I've been to a couple of conferences recently and the number of people who come up to me and said, you know what, the zero point survey has changed the way that I manage the resource room. So it's not just me, it's not just Cliff and and our mates and things, but I'm genuinely getting this from junior doctors, from senior doctors, from junior nurses, from senior nurses who are saying this has changed the way that they practice for the better. So if you don't know about the zero point survey, have a look at all the resources we've got on the website, but also do have a look at this video from Cliff Reed. It's excellent. So that's all I'm going to say, I think, for September. It's a really busy time for the St Emeline's group. We've got lots going on clinically. The work is just insane at the moment. A number of other activities. So there's a couple of conferences which we're going to be talking about in next month's podcast. So the Archem conference in Gateshead, the Slovenia ERC conference and various other stuff coming up. So we will communicate that to you in the next set of podcasts and blogs. So love your emergency medicine. Keep going. and enjoy it as much as you can you're doing a great job see you soon